1: The Squareball Podcast.
2: Hello, welcome to episode 170 of the Squareball Podcast, brought to you with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the Squareball at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Squareball. I'm Dan Moyland, with me Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. As per the last episode of the podcast, issue six is a current issue of the fanzine. It was out for Bristol. That brilliant Calvin and Perlo cover by Matt Clark, who is Loomstride on Twitter. And you can now buy prints of that as well. If you have a look at our website, you can get links to that beautiful thing. And you can guarantee all the second half uh, issues of the season by getting a half season subscription on the website as well. All the remaining issues delivered to your house and loads of cool clothes and mugs on sale via the website too. It's all at the squareball.net. I'm sure we don't have anything revolutionary to say about... Reading, because it's Reading. However, we probably should talk about the goal, given that we completely neglected to do that in the Matchball podcast on Saturday.
3: I mean, we implied a goal, didn't we? We talked about the winning stuff. It was obvious one had happened. Yeah,
2: exactly. I think most people who listened would have been aware of it.
3: Yes. So, you know, we didn't want to insult anybody's intelligence by talking about something they already knew <laughs> um, intimately. I'm glad I've seen it since anyway, because I think my impression of it at the time was that it was a bit scruffy and that it had been Pablo kicking a ball several times until it eventually went in the net. But when you see it from close up, it's a lovely goal. Yeah, he he kind of
4: cut through all the crap that was involved with Ailing's goal against Bristol City, which was just everybody just keep booing. He was like, no, we're not going to do that again. I'm going to actually take control of this. And I thought um, I quite liked how far away he was when he made it obvious to Helder Costa that he wanted a back heel or that Helder Costa noticed that that would be a good idea because he was nearer halfway than anything else. When Costa was on the ball, when you watch it on the replay, you're thinking, what's he actually doing? Why is he just sort of standing still? But it's because Pablo can still move a little bit faster than his uh, contemporary uh, Charlie Adam, but it still took him a while to get to the edge of the box and smack that thing. But it all worked very well, yeah, and then he got the rebound. A little bit of a dance about.
2: The dancing feet were lovely. i have got yeah. to say, great quick footwork in such a tight area there.
3: And the way, the way he hits it, sort of with the outside of his foot as well, just straight into the top corner. Flick into the t- it's a flick rather than a hit, I think.
2: Well, the keeper got a hand to it, didn't he? But
4: his weak hand's not as strong as Kiko's, obviously, which he can use broken these days. And well, yeah, I mean, what's Kiko I made one save and his hand's shattered. So I don't know if he's, This that- is why we were not letting anybody shoot at him. palmed it into the net anyway, the keeper. He was rubbish. And we won. And we're going up.
2: And that's the end of it.
4: That's pretty much, I mean, it fell into the kind of standard issue, same as uh, beating Bristol, we're just much better than a, than the other team. It was remarkable how much better than them we were in some ways. I looked through the Jonathan Swift stats, because he's supposed to be their best player and the, the danger man and the one, and he... uh had his lowest number of completed passes since the last time he played at Elland Road, which was very satisfying. I think he had something like 56 passes at Sheffield Wednesday last week and 20 um, against us, which shows you how ruthlessly we cut him down to size. And I like this idea that players and teams are good and could be fancy and can pass the ball and win matches everywhere else, but then they come to Elland Road and they just don't touch the ball.
3: Some of the other stats as well about the number of passes they made into our box and stuff were just... It, it actually reflected how one-sided it had been. Because I think on the, we're used to us creating so many chances and being so dominant in games that this felt... I know it, it didn't feel like we had loads of chances here. And while we were the dominant team and obviously deserved to win, it didn't feel like such a thrashing. But actually, when you look at it, you think, yeah, they, they didn't have anything. It
4: kind of flipped from the normal expectations because once we'd scored, that's when you always think, right, good, now they're not going to be able to time waste, they're going to come attack us and create some space for a counter-attack, but they got worse. Like after we'd scored, we just basically stayed in their half until the last minute when uh, Kiko Casilla saved everything. But apart from that, there was now they were better in the first twenty minutes when it was nil-nil than they were um, when they they were actually had to try and win.
2: It did kind of work a bit backwards this game, and as we mentioned on the match ball, after Calvin went off, we actually looked slightly better, which you would expect the opposite to happen. In the same way, you would expect them to come out and come at us more after we went one 0 on.
3: Having everyone on the pitch playing out of position actually works quite well. Maybe we should just drop Calvin even if he's fit
4: from now on to leave him on bench and Ben White can do it.
3: <laughs> 93rd minute they got a little
2: bit chippy on Twitter did the Reading uh, well the Reading social media people anyway about this alleged pullback in the last
3: minute. It was a little bit too Coopery, <laughs> is what I will say. I don't think it was a penalty but equally if he if he had gone down I could see the ref giving it and I could I would be absolutely furious at Cooper for doing this sort of thing. He's really, really square when the ball's played played through his Cooper, so when the guy runs across him, he can't turn and and catch up. And we're probably quite lucky that it was a centre-back who was doing it because he's not maybe accustomed to going down under the slightest touch.
4: I think that's where the problem was, and it's why Bielsa said afterwards that he took the blame for not resolving this situation before it arose because we do man-mark at the back, so when they stick a centre-half up front, I think Bielsa was given the impression that you're not told anybody to watch him, so suddenly you've got this guy just charging around after the ball and uh, the defenders will have been, who were all already out of position, maybe looking at (laughs) each other going like, well, is he yours? This is mine. Anybody? So I'm not surprised Cooper ended up being caught out. Our uh, esteemed colleague at the Square Ball, John Howe, in his Leeds Live article, pointed out that for all the moaning about this pullback, the handball for Luke Ayling would probably have been the one that VAR would have... Got us four, but they didn't seem to even. They didn't seem to have a tweet about that.
2: And their manager was moaning about the ref as well. He should shut up, shouldn't he? I mean, this stuff, the thing he was saying about,
3: about him being dragged back. I've thought, got
2: I've got no tolerance for these people. It's
3: not a point. And where I thought he can definitely fuck off was that he was complaining that the ref was playing advantage. Yes, he was like, oh, we're not. We don't really want to play football against Leeds. We just want a series of free kicks and things to put it in the box from wherever on the pitch that may be. We just want to waste time and make it as shite as possible to watch.
4: That's not the Corinthian spirit, is it? It's not. And it's not the referee's job to manage that either. Part of his complaint was that he kept giving this message to the referee. The fourth official said his earpiece wasn't working. Then he got the message at half time and the fourth official like, yeah, I told him. But I think what the fourth official wasn't saying is he doesn't play for Reading. He's the referee.
2: Are you trying to tell me the referee is there to objectively apply the rules as he sees fit rather than to suit one of the management teams? He
4: can do what the fuck he wants, basically. He is the referee. His decision is final whether you agree with it or not. So if he wants to play an advantage, if that's the way he referees a game, that's fine. And what's ludicrous about this is playing advantage is such a simple way for a referee to look brilliant. That they're always going to do it. And it's surprising that they don't do it more often. How many times do you see that there's the foul and the referee puts his hands through and there's a goal and everyone's like, it's the most incredible piece of refereeing we've ever seen. The advantage rule there. Ladies and gentlemen, the little scene, advantage rule. What magnificent scenes. Then The referee, they're chairing him around the pitch now. <laughs> Nobody has ever seen it. When you'd think every referee would do it every week, but for some reason they, they don't. Maybe they all listen to Mark Bowen. I don't know. But yeah, this guy's come from Australia and isn't having any of Mark Bowen's. Nonsense. That was the other thing about this Australian ref, because he's the one who, I think we mentioned in the preview, he'd, he'd had that viral video wherever everyone was. Oh, what a great referee he is, simply because he was mic'd up. He was and mic'd could, up and explained his process. And it? you could yeah. hear him not being a prick. Yeah. It's like amazing. This, let's give him a knighthood, simply because he's, he manages to get through a, a football match without being Keith Throut. Yeah, it made me think about how low the standards for refereeing actually are when somebody just doing those basic things... Not being a prick to everybody and playing advantage is the greatest referee I've ever seen. There is a
2: good argument there for um, accountability for refs, is if they did mic them up, so everybody could hear what it was they were saying.
3: It makes the players accountable as well, is yeah. the other thing. If they can be picked up and people can hear some of the shit players are telling them, then there would be more sympathy to referees as well, rather than just thinking... Because I think a lot of the time, referees on the pitch, they do look... Sort of arrogant in the way that they'll when you can when you know about decisions being made and then you can see a referee's smug face as he's waving people away, going no 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 no. But then he's got to, you've got to remember the referee does face that from players for every bloody throwing that is that has obviously come off their player and they'll, everyone will dispute every decision he makes.
4: And then you have the flip side of that with John Moss, who owns a record shop in Headingly of all things, who when he was uh, giving some back to the Bournemouth players in their... Match, they came out after the game saying, "Can't believe the referee spoke to us." He's something about if you're so good at this, then why why are you in the relegation zone all season? I can't believe a referee would say such a thing to me, it's a Dan, professional Dan footballer. Gosling, wasn't it? Yeah, I went full so. full Frank
3: Lampard on it.
4: And you do put that against the things that John Moss probably hears from every single player in every single game on a, a regular basis. I doubt it stops at such jocular. Well, you're probably going to get relegated. I imagine the football is probably casting all sorts of aspersions on his uh, personal life, family life, parentage, everything he can possibly get his hands on, pets, in Stroud's case. Just a minor detour on Frank Lampard. Have you noticed
2: he's uh, getting a bit of a bald patch now? Is he? He is, yeah. And it's funny,
4: that's all. Well, this was... uh, I don't know why
3: I'm laughing.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I've been been bald since uh, I was like 22. I was thinking of... um, Jamie Redknapp, but they're all basically but you, you there. Wear, you wear it well, Michael.
3: Well, the thing is, I wouldn't try and blame anyone else for my problems either, would I? I'm sure, I'm sure Frank's got... It all started with... When he looked through that fence, my hair stopped, started falling out. Stress, my stress levels are right up.
4: This is why my mum always, although I don't think Louise Nerding could hear her, but warned her against Jamie Redknapp. And I realise Jamie Redknapp is not Frank Lampard, but you can understand why I get confused. But she basically always used to say, um, he may be good looking now, but look at his dad. Yeah. <laughs> and the, probably the same thing with uh, with Fat Frank. He may be all right now, but starting to turn. And if you look at Senior, mm, or even Harry Redknapp, it's basically all the same gene pool, isn't <laughs> it?
2: It is. Yes, anyway, back to this one. Uh, Redding were moaning about ticket prices as well. The, the denizens of Royal Berkshire complaining yeah. about being asked to pay, what, £39, £40 for a ticket? Surely it's cheaper, twice the price.
3: I mean, the right... And they're wrong on this because it, it is too expensive to sit in the shittiest bit of the ground because that is historically that was the bit of empty stadium, wasn't it? The top corner of the West Stand. It was the bit we could never sell because some of the seats don't even look at the pitch. If you're if you're unfortunate enough to be in the top corner, you're basically looking at the South Stand and the Peacock. Oh, so, well. the, so, oh, the right, well. so they're right on that. The counter-argument is Reading wouldn't have sold any more tickets if it, this had been £10. They might have mm. sold another dozen tickets if this had been a tenner. Then just not very well supported away from home. And also it's Reading, so I don't care.
4: No, I mean, (laughs) they had their one bit of um, rallying round when they resisted, they were going to merge with, uh, it was Robert Maxwell was going to merge them with Oxford United. The Thames Valley Royals. Exactly. So that was the one time when everybody went, okay, Reading, good luck with that. Hope it doesn't happen. But now, you you know, some teams, clubs, might start a campaign about 20's plenty. I think it's a... Absolutely laudable campaign. It's absolutely right. It's what should happen. I'm not going to listen to reading about it though. Yeah.
3: Just to look at their um, average away following last year was 715, which was the worst in the division, and they brought 806 to Elland Road. So, <laughs> so it actually it, increased.
2: That was the protest, was it?
3: So, that, so they they protested by bringing more fans than they normally do. <laughs> I think there was the silent protest did work well. From them. Mm. I think that was uh, that was it's the sort of thing that happens in Germany, isn't it, where the fans agree to stay quiet for the for the opening ninety. 90- Four minutes. So you see the
2: Eintracht Frankfurt fans refused. I mean, last night, as we're recording Tuesday morning, the Monday night game, they're sort of doing Monday night football there now and the ultras behind the goal just had that massive banner in there saying with the word Monday, with a line through it, as in no, and just a completely empty terrace as a protest.
4: It is remarkable. I'm always impressed by the way German fans do that. I remember being at an event Years ago, it's when we were dealing with Bates and Liverpool fans dealing with Hicks, I think, and Gillette, and they were having a massive argument amongst themselves about boycotting matches and the effects it would have on the team, and could you miss a game? and what, can you call yourself a true fan if you're not going to the match and all this kind of stuff? Germany, they just don't fucking go. And I'm really impressed with. it's like, well, what if it does affect them? We might fucking lose, don't care don't want to go to football on a Monday, so we're fucking not going to. That's, you know, there's a, a lot to be impressed by. The greater good. And, back, back and they the have weekend, beer. Back. They could drink on that yeah. terrace as well. Yeah, that's true. That's the one thing that would probably guarantee attendance anywhere else. If, if you put pints on the front of a of a rail-seated standing area in English football, you could put the game on at seven in the morning and you would pack the stadium out. But they somehow, amazing powers of discipline, the Germans, eh? <laughs> I <laughs> don't know how I managed to bring that back to a national stereotype so there we get, go
2: uh, get back to Leeds and a good weekend for results for us as well this one another one it does feel like the universe is pointing us in the direction of promotion and saying lads look at this opportunity you've got here please just here's the the, the door is open just walk through it just walk through it put one foot in front of the other and walk through this door and get promoted
4: is the door as open as when we were 2-0 up on aggregate with 45 minutes of a playoff semi-final to go is it that
3: kind of open? it's getting there it is getting and just beating Wigan at home will so nearly get us over the line but yeah it is going well and all those teams that looked invincible a while ago at various points Brentford Fulham and Forest they're all shit actually aren't they it turns out
4: yeah I mean, we were supposed to be worrying about Millwall getting into the playoff places, 11th. Sheffield Wednesday were sniffing around, they're not even... They're going down. They're <laughs> not even in the top half of the table on our screenshot. Preston, suddenly they've taken over from Bristol City, three points clear of Bristol City. And how are Blackburn? Is Tony Mowbray going to get Blackburn in the Premier League?
2: I think I said one point on Saturday, I might have mentioned it on the Match Ball. Blackburn were sixth on 53 points at one stage because they were the early kickoff and they were in front of Brentford. whole thing's
4: crazy. The one thing about the, v- the much vaunted and discussed and lamented since it passed gap is that it's very good to just keep us out of all that nonsense. Just a little five points to Fulham. I don't care if it's 13 points or 20 points or whatever, just as long as we've got enough so that we're not looking at Cardiff overtaking us from 10th or something ridiculous like that. I'm happy with that, just a little, little bit of breathing space.
2: Yeah, considering all the teams that Fulham have got to play, a lot of them are around them as well, so they're all going to be pinching points off one another. and, uh, and
4: We'll take three points off them as well. Good, don't that, hope, we? I'm
2: pleased to hear that. I really am pleased to hear that. Only ten weeks to go, or less than, it's nine and a half weeks to go in the season, then it's all over again. <laughs>
4: <laughs> don't know if that's good or bad. I was waiting for a Kim Basinger reference, yeah. but yeah. nobody seems to be going with it.
2: So it's there. It's there for the taking. And I mean, Michael has the least positive in this studio.
3: How how are you feeling about it now, just as a sort of a bellwether? Well I mean, it looks it looks pretty good, doesn't it? There's no point in pretending it doesn't. <laughs> we are we are now once again a reasonable distance from third. We do have the easiest running. I was I saw a tweet this morning from um James Voss looking at the average positions of the team still to come and the average position of the team we still have to play is fifteenth, so it's pretty good everyone mm. else has Fulham they've Fulham got the uh, toughest there. are 8.9 10.8 for Preston 12.8 for Forest, 13.9 for Brentford so we kind of should do it
2: I mean the counter to that runs as it always does and again we mentioned this on the match ball what about Wigan last year what about Wigan this year but as you said it was last week's podcast sorry wasn't it Michael you would sooner go into all these fixtures playing crap teams than good ones
3: yeah of course because that's how it works and I'm just <laughs> I'm going back to this season as well that run we had where we won we won seven in a row didn't we hmm. if we could just do that from now on just win seven and we, we're there that's pretty much it given hmm. given the amount of teams that have to play each other I think probably eight or nine wins will get us there eight, so eight will do it now so, if we, so if we can yeah. just put a run like that together over this next this next batch of games, including beating Fulham, that probably would be it.
2: We've got twelve games. So let's just we, do that. Twelve hey? games, yeah. win eight of them, and we're up. I mean, the thing about last sounds season sounds easy.
4: <laughs> the thing about the way last season ended was it was freakish. Like everything about it after the Wigan game, onwards was bizarre. Under normal circumstances, the expectation should be if we've played thirty four games in this division this season, so forgetting about history, and we are five points clear of third. There is no reason why we can't play another 12 games and still be in that same general position. We might lose a few, we might draw a few, but over the rest of the season, we should... I mean, things sort of... Is it entropy? though, Or what's the death of things? Or inertia? Yeah. Entropy is the tendency towards chaos. Well, it's the opposite of that then. <laughs> it's uh, inertia protecting us. that Things tend to sort of just... Change is slow. Yes. So... We should be able to just stay where we are. I mean, the other side of this is that
2: we tend to win around half our games. We've played 34, we've won 18, so marginally over half. We've got 12 games left. Let's assume we win six of them. Like you said, we're nearly there then.
3: And from this point last year, we still had uh, Sheffield United, Brentford and Villa to play at this point last Mm. year. This year, we've got Fulham at home. And that's the game, the one game that you look at and go, right, that's a difficult game that we might not win. Every other game... Kind of should.
4: And everything about what we have to do is easier than what anybody else apart from West Brom has to do. Fulham have to overtake us and they're five points behind. That's their problem. It's not our problem. So we we might as well just book the bus now. If (laughs) We're up.
2: If we do win eight games, it would entail Fulham winning 10. Well, exactly. To be in with a chance to out of 12. I
4: think that's what I meant. It's just the amount of work that the other teams have to do to get above us should be too much for them as long as we are decent. Are we going up? Yeah. Michael? Who knows?
2: We'll see. (laughs) So normally it would be a thorny subject talking about planning for the future because it involves some difficult topics. But if there's one group of people who are very well acquainted with the idea of not being here anymore, it's Leeds fans. Uh, Doom, doom. Because we know it's going to finish us all off in the end, isn't it? This club. There's no other way to dress it up it's it's a stressful it's a stressful endeavor. You know that Levi's solicitors partner with us here on the podcast and they want you to look after things when you're gone and with that in mind, it's estimated sixty percent of people in the u k don't have a will they're not just for the old and the rich you know get one sorted. And don't bequeath everything to the football club. I don't think they need it, do they? Um, Levi's do recommend everybody aged 18 or over makes a will. So it's really important. You know, if you own a property, you've got kids, Levi's do suggest that you review it every few years, especially after major life events like having kids, buying a house, divorce, or an attempt to get back to the Premier League. Uh, Make sure your estate goes to the ones that you want it to, be it kids, your civil partner and so on.
4: Me. You do want it. Yeah, I'll have anything that's going. I believe, uh, I think there's 10% off if you call the square ball. I think it's 20% off if you leave everything and you will to me.
2: I can just imagine someone doing this for a laugh now and then you're in the centre of some sort of future family argument. For some. I hope someone
3: leaves you some children that you, can, that you have to look after
2: can you do that in your will I'm not 100% sure but yeah if you want to avoid the family disputes afterwards then get in touch with Levi's they've got a free will review service and they will look through your existing will and advise you on whether you could do with updating it and it's dead simple as well it's a lot more straightforward and quicker than you might think uh, when it, so when it comes to future planning Levi's They've got dedicated experts that will take care of, lasting powers of attorney, probate, care home fees, that sort of stuff. Free initial consultation, and of course, as Moscow mentioned there, 10% off your legal fees for mentioning the square ball. You can call Levi's Direct on 0113 297 3194 or head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Was it David Sommer's injury that we learned of through social media that resulted in Simon Grayson banning the players from social media?
3: It was, yes, but that was bad news.
2: It's the un-Calvin, isn't it? It's the opposite side of this particular coin.
3: Don't do bad. Don't do bad injury news on Twitter.
4: Well, we'd have to ban Ian Wright from Instagram. Is Simon Grayson going to loom from somewhere? There's all the questions about how you do moderate the internet. How do you keep offensive content away from children? All this kind of stuff. But Simon Grayson's been sacked by Blackpool. Put him in charge of Facebook. <laughs> Get Zuckerberg on the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'd be a fantastic team. It's, uh, I'd love to see Simon Grayson going from working with Glenn Snoddin for years and years to working with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Seamless transition.
2: Referring, of course, to the exchange on uh, Instagram Saturday night, the, the righty official said, hope it's not too serious, KP, fingers crossed. And then uh, Calvin re- uh, responded by saying, all good, righty, just a dead calf. Thanks, mate. I like the idea that Ian Wright and um, Calvin Phillips are mates now and they can chat about stuff like mates
4: do. Oh, but how many other people asked under that photo, do you think, for details about the injury and then suddenly some fucking ex Arsenal player pipes up. Calvin's like, Oh well I better tell him. Yeah, it's important that Ian Wright knows the state of my state of my dead
3: calf. Tell the farmer, not Ian Wright <laughs> He's become a bit of a Leeds fan this year, hasn't he, after Inketia has been at the club. He seems to have, he seems to be following us a bit I always quite liked Ian Wright, I have to say. Apart from his son Colin where he once said that People who didn't want to play for England should have to speak to the parents of dead soldiers or something. He wants some sort of slightly mental opinion on that.
2: I mean, he does get excitable and carried away, does he? And right, doesn't he? Though that's the thing. He and, does, but that's yeah. why he's, that's his kind of best asset as well as sometimes to his detriment.
3: Yeah, and watching him uh, wind up Roy Keane now and then when it's the World Cup or whatever is is always a joy and good news as well because I think when he well when he first went down injured and then when he limped off, everyone was slightly terrified and thinking that's that the end of over. the
2: promotion bid. Oh my God!
3: Just shut the club down. But then Ben White.
4: As I said, I'm not sure Calvin's going to take his place back. <laughs> there is a fair point, though, about how thin the squad actually
2: is, that I don't think it could take another injury to a major player. That wouldn't be a
4: good thing. It wouldn't be a good thing. and It probably also wouldn't be a terrible thing, because we would. I think we would muddle through. I think Ben White did talk about playing that role afterwards and said that he is getting better at it and he's improving and learning. I think there was a an element, he looked like he was getting a bit more help on uh, Saturday that, Liam Cooper and Luke Haling behind him weren't just kind of standing and watching. There was um, Cooper in particular tended to kind of back him up quite firmly if so, in case something was about to go wrong. So what Ben White lacks is the ability to kind of move us forward, I think. He's, he's just not got the, the passing to ping out to a, a wing, which is what we'd miss. But he'll be fine. He's not going to miss another game. And he was fine. He looked all right after the game. He was striding about, no crutches, no um, ice packs, well, that you could see, no nothing there, um, no moon boots. He wasn't doing a Kemar Roof in the, the light.
2: Not suddenly pictured in Colorado
3: on skis, <laughs> that no slash crutches. That was how we found out about some injuries on social media last year as well, wasn't it? People would be like, just seen the Kemar Roof. Yeah. Out bowling or whatever in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> Adam
4: Forshaw is back in the country, actually, according to his uh, Instagram stories. He was up at Thorpe Arch kicking a ball with his kid.
3: Posted back in three boxes. <laughs> <laughs> he actually
4: did have a photo from the plane. He was uh, with his, his legs up, obviously, whatever they have to do to get somebody transatlantic when they've had a serious hip operation. But um, oh,
2: he- That would just be typical, wouldn't it? Comes back with bloody DVT or something like that. <laughs>
4: I don't know if coronavirus has spread to Colorado yet, but um, Adam For sure could be patient zero in that case. <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, he's up and about anyway. And that's he's good. on crutches, but he was able to uh, kick a ball back and forward with his toddler. No word on
2: Kiko yet. Well, he's broken
3: his hand. Is that confirmed?
2: So at, the t- at the time of recording, we should say, by the way, which is Tuesday morning, it's just about 11 o'clock right now. Uh, nothing yet on the Kiko thing. And um, I don't think any- anyone's had a steer on the QTE. Nobody's been told. Expect a verdict at this point. It's all quiet.
4: Yeah, we've got two reasons to have him out of the team now. Either the the ban for saying racist stuff or a broken hand. Maybe it's just going to mount up. He's just going to have as many reasons as possible for him to not be in the team and he'll just turn up anyway and Bielsa will have to stretch all the reasons why he still still says he's the better option than, than Meslier. He did apparently say to somebody outside the stadium, two broken fingers, and then there's the, the, oh no, he said a broken hand and then there's a photo of him with his fingers bandaged and it looked at the end of half time because obviously Meslier was warming up and when he came out he went over to Meslier and the, the goalkeeper, Coach. He was kind of holding his hand up and as if they were like it was a, a vase on an antiques roadshow or something. He said, well, there's a few cracks in it here, but I think it's overall retains its value. We'll
2: tape it together.
4: Yeah, and uh, and he did get through the, the second half, made that um, one save, what? which we needed him to do. That's basically all we needed him to do. Use your feet. It, it has, does say a lot about Leeds that we can have a goalkeeper with broken hands and just keep a clean sheet anyway.
3: He has had an awful lot of credit for that save, which on reflection was just... A perfectly fine thing that you'd expect the goalkeeper to do. It's almost a bit patronising to go. Oh well done. Oh, he saved it really well, isn't he? He wasn't he brave? Wasn't he big? And he came out and he stopped the ball going in the net and everything. He didn't do anything daft. I'd take that from
4: Marcelo Bielsa though, wouldn't you?
3: <laughs> Bielsa went over and shook his hand, didn't he? Exactly. He made a big effort. Is that, is, that, of... is that where the breakage came from? <laughs> <laughs> Vice like grip, such vigour. Yeah. So well,
2: we'll see what happens with him. No news at this point. Um, Pontus Shanson, though, Leeds fan. See also
4: this? mysteriously, in and out of the team, there's been a, a bit of a, a tiring Pontus Janssen and his brother subplot on Twitter that did kind of make me think why. I've
2: missed all this, tell me about I'm this. I'm
4: quite glad that all this has gone. Well, you know, he was out of the team for our match and then he missed another match. And it's that thing of, a little bit like with the Adam Forshaw thing where it's uh, he's supposed to be back, but he's still injured. And then, you know, his brother's always quite voluble on Twitter he started saying that like no he's ready to play there's just people at the club who aren't picking him and that kind of stuff I can't remember the exact quotes but it was all like no because people started saying rumours of him having a fallout with the the manager possibly related to the interview that we're um, about to discuss which seemed incredibly far-fetched but then his brother kind of stoked it a little bit by saying no he's ready to play and then it was like, well, why isn't he playing? He's like, well, I can't comment on that, and all that kind of it's, it's, stuff. There
2: this is getting into is sh- celebrity feud territory, and I'm already glazing over and thinking, oh, this is so tiring. It's but what, yeah, go on. We don't. used to get I did little... ask. I asked so to tell you. Yeah, him yeah.
4: A... But if you remember, we used to get quite a lot of that with I Rumble when he was going out over the summer, and it was all the basically we had to read his brother's Twitter account to find out what was going on. But he obviously misses us, judging by what he we told to. Uh, well, let's not talk about the outlet for it.
2: Well, it was The Sun. Let's say it's The Sun because we should give the right attribution. That's The Sun that lost £68 million uh, Mm. last year in its most recent accounts,
3: And we'll tell you about it in such detail that you don't need to go and find the video and give them the clicks, which is nice of us.
2: What was said, it it was best this and best that, wasn't it? Like game, manager, stadium and so on and so forth.
4: Yeah, basically Leeds... Bielsa, Leeds, Malmo, Leeds, Malmo, Leeds, Leeds, Berardi, Leeds, Best end.
2: His best fans answer was a good one because uh, what was it? his exact words
4: were, I have to say Brentford now, but Brentford, Malmo and Leeds together, all three are good. Yeah, of course they are. Probably somebody in Torino was going, hey, Pontus, you ungrateful wanker, what about us? It's like,
3: who's your favourite woman in your life? My wife. Well, well I'll say my wife because I'm with her now, <laughs> but probably the girlfriend ever when I was like 18. Probably more. Probably more so her. God, I loved her so much, but is, it, but it's I mean it's good now too. What I have now is fine. So, is replying an insight
2: into Michael's life there? Do not play this to her. Well, we've got kids now. What do you expect?
3: Yeah, it had a, it all. Had a bit of a vibe about that as well. It was like. When he had best celebrations, it was yeah. those, like, "Ah, oh, Leeds versus Blackburn. And you could see the little, you could see him remembering it and he was smiling. He was like, oh, what a, oh the, such happy times. And then he was like, oh, but I mean, I've not scored at Brentford yet. So I did, when I do, probably that one, when yeah, I to celebrate in front of 800 away fans.
4: The way he phrased it, I mean, it's unfortunate. Obviously, he's translating from Swedish, but when he says, I have no celebrations so far in Brentford. Oops.
3: And hopefully <laughs> you won't. No. Yeah, and best manager is like, oh well, Thomas is Thomas is my coach now, um, but 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 Bielsa.
2: I wouldn't put it past him, and I don't want to be presumptuous about our own promotion here. But if we were, let's say, promoted before the end of the season, and the Charlton game turns into a celebration that Pontus mysteriously misses Brentford's final game of the season and is spotted at Ellen Road.
4: It is funny that he says Bielsa is his best coach. The to- the one who bombed him out for being a dickhead, essentially. That seems to be what the the transfer boiled down to was that Bielsa was absolutely sick of him. So I just said, right, sell him and I'll have Ben White instead. But now Pontus is still down there going to, be, best manager I've ever had.
2: <laughs> still love you. Can I come back? It'll be just like we were when we were 18. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the whole vibe of it as well with the that Thing where you when you get a bit older and you're not allowed to say football's the best thing that's ever happened to you, and so like you have to like say things like your you know, kids and your kids and like your wedding day and stuff. But actually, the answer is like Bristol Rovers at home. is like the, <laughs> the happiest you've ever been. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a, a bit, nice time on your wedding day, Michael. Even if you didn't, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it too. It was good. It was good. Yours was all right too. Yeah, I had a good times, <laughs> weren't we? Mo- time. Moscow. Does anyone want to be Moscow's wife?
4: Apparently not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, bless you, man. <laughs> Oh, dear. Right, mate. well, the appeal starts now. <laughs> <laughs> Get in touch, podcast at squareball.net.
4: Brilliant.
2: Right, let's move on to Liam Cooper, Pontus' one time sidekick. Uh, he's had a couple of things
4: to say. I did wonder if this was a little bit of a, a clap back at Pontus because he was uh, Jansen before we played Brentford was going on about how you know when I played for Leeds last season I got very tired mentally but it's not just physically but it, you know the burnout was affecting. I mean maybe they'll be alright this season but oh I remember last year it was it was getting me down and then he was too tired to even play against us Then yeah Liam Cooper did kind of give a little bit back where he just said Phil said Are you uh, what do you think about people talking about burnout and he did just say it's just n-. sorry Scottish isn't he Michael <laughs>
3: It's just noise, honestly. It's noise. When you're going like we are, and you've got a chance to get out of this league, tiredness is not a thing. And the uh,
4: <laughs> when he moved on to uh, it being a club with, um, oh no, sometimes it can be difficult to block out the noise. What was that part
3: he's saying there? Sometimes it can be difficult to block out the noise, but you've got to be a certain player to play for this club. It's a big club with big big expectations. (laughs) You've got Billy Connolly. And you see by the the performance out there today by the lads. Come on, we're unbelievable. We never stop running. We never stop trying to score that next goal. And that's the way it's got to be. We're confident with our philosophy, and that's always the way it's got to
4: be. I mean, I'm trying to stir, stir up trouble where there is possibly none, but knowing that the, the most voluble and visible person talking about burnout recently was Pontus Janssen for then the question to be answered with, you've got to be a certain player to play for this club, but they all still love Pontus, don't they? They're all hanging out and mates and it's sickening because he's Brentford scum. <laughs> and I still kind of like him. Yeah, I do miss Pontus on the one hand.
2: The drama we can maybe do without... Uh, but I do miss him, because he's a good player.
4: He was the right player at the right time. I mm. think this is not the season for drama. It's a little bit like what um, Phil Hay was saying about why they've not bothered with the the documentary. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> no, think... it was a podcast reference, not a gantry reference. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> um, that they're not bothered with the documentary last uh, this season because you know basically the Andrea Rodriguez only got his advert out of it last season, so they don't need to do it again, but also that there's not the the drama this isn't the year for drama, this is just the year business. for business getting promoted, getting it done and um Liam Cooper said a few things like this lately. I know you can read too much into player interviews, but there's always this question mark about whether he should be captain or not and um, and his as Michael put it earlier, his liam cooperness when he's caught on the turn or caught square. But he does seem to be in control of things this season. He was talking a while ago about um the pressure Leeds were under to get promoted and making the point that the uh um the lad who was playing for Chesterfield that he was mates with who got who died on a, a night out before a, a Senna. game. Senna. Yeah. And he's saying like look, what his family are going through, that's pressure. We're just trying to win a load of football matches and it's a privilege to play for Leeds United. And he's just there's that thing with um I'm getting the feeling with Liam Cooper now that he's been captain for long enough. He's actually quite good at it now. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter if he's the most, if he feels to us like the most inspiring choice. The players have chosen him season after season. And he's just got that little element that it's taken him a bloody long time to shake League One out of his system. But I can picture him with the, uh, the championship trophy. Now, yeah. Whereas it, it might not have made sense before.
2: Just returning back to the Pontus thing, um, Pontus saying that Berardi, as his teammate, was the one who always
3: looked after him, despite only being two years older than him. A golf in maturity there, maybe. He was like a fatherly style to me. Is how he, how he described it, which I, I quite enjoyed. But yeah, it seems like Berardi, for all his um, occasional madness on the pitch, we get a lot of, we hear a lot of this, don't we? That he's just like a nice, sound influence off the off the field, and you know, maybe he's saying, just, just come come and look at the stars with me. Come on, we'll drive out into the moors. We can just chill out.
2: We need a new pitch, according to Angus, according to his programme notes from the weekend. I do hope they put this one at Ellen Road if they do replace it. <laughs> don't move it. Seems to be a good place. Well, we could turn it
4: uh, 90 degrees
2: again. Oh, did you see that mad, mad diagram? Where, where did I see that mad, mad diagram? I
4: don't know. What mad, mad diagram... Was uh, it down some mad mad stairs in a mad mad cellar,
2: something like that. I, I th- it might have been a tweet. It might have been wacko. I can't remember, but it was somebody advocating turning the stadium ninety degrees so the east stand was behind one of the goals. It's where it used very, to be, a very, a very wide one, like.
4: But it's where the it, Allen Road, when we moved in, was orientated that way, and they moved it ninety degrees to try and solve drainage because it was basically a bog. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the Lowfields Road was so called
2: because it was basically a bog, wasn't it? Low yeah, Lowfields full of low
4: and we yeah. do have a, um, so I wrote in my, my match report, we have a, a well underneath the pitch that's full of cursed witches. Um, I'm increasingly convinced that that's what's down there. So, yeah, I think it's Wortley Beck that's uh, corvetted underneath. So there's a lot of water, a lot of water. And John Howe's book on uh, the eighth Side of Elland Road will tell you that's two mentions for John Howe today. Back
3: off, John. Do about... did we get a noise for John? <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Empty Pepsi Empty can. Empty Pepsi can, there you go. Um, about how uh, John Howe,
4: there was a, uh, yeah, they used to draw water out of well a the, the near the cheese wedge. There was another one up there, but it seems like that's been um, bricked in. Nobody can access it anymore. I do
2: remember saying, I mean, I've told the story on one of the podcasts before about when I was a kid in the 80s being given the impromptu tour of Ellen Road when me and my dad, we went to Fullerton Park see the players training when they still train there. The finish for the day but a nice blog from the club invited us in gave us a little tour of the ground before stadium tours were really a thing and went through the dressing rooms and down the tunnel and stuff and he walked us around the edge of the pitch and said you see that there there's a well there and he recounted a story of a guy who during a game i think it might have been in the early 80s maybe late 70s or something fell down the well just one leg but uh collapsed yeah the, the covering collapsed and his uh, his leg went down the well
3: adam Forshaw's return
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: already planned but we could, um, so we could move the pitch. We could rotate it again, go go old school. But we are then risking the pitch being underwater. I guess perhaps drainage is improved. Um not we rotate it's
2: 360 degrees. That's a novel. That would really confuse the opposition, wouldn't it? That one, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on past this. And, it needs it needs re anyway.
4: Yeah, think,
3: the long and short of it.
4: I quite enjoyed um, as ever. Angus's programme notes are quite well written when he said that the uh, the head of operations, Mark Brotley brought a letter from a turf consultancy recommending a comprehensive overhaul of the playing surface and that it was uh, five years beyond its replacement date. And uh, Angus thought, well, that's all right. We got, we've got five years, margin forever, that's okay. And then Mark pointed out he got this letter in 2013. Mm. So it does, uh, it needs doing, but it actually, it looks all right. I know, Bielsa did, went very much on the defensive after there was one game when it looked less than perfect. And then he insisted at the end of a press conference of saying, none of you idiots have asked me about the pitch, so I'm going to have to tell you about the pitch. The
3: pitch is fine, everybody's doing a good job, don't ask about the pitch. <laughs> well, we didn't. <laughs> I mean, the, like I said, the pitch is very good. When I first started going to Elham Road, it was when the Rugby League was still being played on it as well. And by this point in the season, it was basically fucked. Mm. And every game, every ground was. And if you go back even further, I think they didn't even really bother, did they? In the 70s, they were just like, well, it's winter, it's muddy. What do, you, what do you expect?
2: Absolutely. And again, just going back to 80s memories, maybe somebody who's who's slightly older than me will be able to recall this, if you're listening and can recall, a game where I think it was Ian Baird was running through and tried to put the ball into uh, into an empty net and it stuck in the mud in the six-yard mm. box in the 80s at some point. Might have made that up, but if you can correct me, I'll confirm That'd be awesome, thanks. Our future owners are in trouble, just mm. in time for taking us over, QSI. Your man um, Khalifa there, who's in charge of them. What is it,
4: corruption? Yeah, we don't them? need to dwell too much on this because they're not our problem yet, but just a, a warning from the future. Well, if, that, ever you need um, a sign,
2: if ever you need a sign that they will be our problem soon, yeah. this is it.
4: Yes, he's been charged by Swiss authorities um, with inciting a former Secretary General at FIFA to break the law, and that official has been charged with accepting bribes. Are you suggesting that maybe this whole Qatar World Cup thing is a little bit grubby? I'm not. I'm suggesting nothing, legally. (laughs) But the Swiss authorities seem to have a problem. Two people who don't have a problem, UEFA, on whose board Al Khalifa sits, they've said, no, it's fine. You don't need to investigate him. And FIFA also, there was a... A more serious bribery charge involving FIFA, but they've uh, they've struck an out-of-court agreement with Al Khalifa, which I think is basically another one where they're sort of going, "No, he's fine. Don't 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 look at, at at him." But the um the other one, uh, yeah, the Swiss authorities are kind of saying, "We are going to look at this one, and you can't stop us because it's, we it's have to con- do with us.
2: We have concerns. Yeah, they
4: have concerns. It's to do with this. Um, he was the number two official at." FIFA was this Valka fella, and apparently he had a luxury villa on Sardinia made available to him by al Khalifi, rent-free for 18 months, which is worth about two million dollars, 1.9 million dollars. and so the, the Swiss authorities want to have a, a little look at why they're somebody... just they're just
3: picking on a man who's been just been kind. All oh, he's yeah. done. Oh, I mean, you can stay at my place for a bit if you I want. mean,
2: my mum lives in Portugal and she's got spare rooms above her house. Uh, she said if you ever want you to come out and stay, you can stay. And she wouldn't charge us. So would they, go, would, would, you dad, let, would they want to go after her?
3: And your dad lives in Brid, doesn't he? So you've got the, the yeah. two options there. Two whole, very, very similar. And if they then got
4: happened, did you just get the lucrative television rights to an event that you were putting on? It's just a coincidence, isn't it? So that being. Then, uh, yeah, if
2: my mum gave me the rights to the World Cup, fine.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So that then being. That uh, al, wrong, uh with it, wrong with these people that kill joys. owns happen to just get the uh the World Cup television right? Coincidence. Although the Swiss authorities they they beg to differ, so they're gonna have a, a little look at it. But yeah, at the moment that is it's only Paris Saint-Germain's problem, FIFA's problem, UEFA's problem, uh the Qatari uh, government's problem being broadcasting's problem. And soon to be out. Uh Nasser al Khalifa's <laughs> Problem. I suppose Andrew over might have concerns because he's his mate, and he doesn't want his mate being in trouble. But not yet our problem. Yet.
1: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.
2: So big updates then with the the Booze Baton, which is something we've been running all this year on the podcast. If you're not yet familiar with it, quick reset so you can be brought up to speed. Eden J. Harris, look out for him on Twitter. He goes by the nickname of Garden. Be sure to greet him by his chosen moniker of Garden when you do. Uh, he's keeping track of the Booze Baton. Now, in essence, it started in Leeds at the start of the season, the location of where we will have our end-of-season promotion party because we've known since August that we're going up and now we're basically just about there going to start planning the party. Uh, The first team to beat us was Stoke, so they took the booze baton. And then it passes from team to team in such a fashion. And then it was split, continental and domestic version, after Atletico Madrid beat Liverpool, who were the holders fairly recently. And the split, it's mainly so we can... We've got choices, isn't it, really? It's about deciding whether whether we want to have our end-of-season party abroad, or we can bail out on the idea if it ends up in somewhere like Azerbaijan or something like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, we don't want to be spending, like, Six hundred quid on flights and visas and stuff like that, no. just because it just because it's ended up somewhere uh, somewhere ridiculously expensive. But if it ended up in you know Amsterdam or something, lovely stuff. Let's go there for a, for a few days. Dear Lord, but, I mean <laughs> if this this is going to be a really tough sell to my wife. Full stop. No, it's work, Dan. It's a work trip. You need to remember that. But yeah, I mean, so let's go. Won it in the Champions League, so it's now with them. They beat Villarreal. Liverpool have maintained the domestic one. So let's
2: let's just say for branding purposes, just so we can keep track of it. The booze baton is the domestic version, and it's now the sangria
3: stick. Now it's in Spain. So okay, so the sangria stick can be passed around. They've still got to go to Espanol and Sevilla before the return leg against Liverpool. If Liverpool beat them if both batons are maintained (laughs) and Liverpool beat them in the return leg Is it unified again? Then it's unified again If Atletico keep it then I think the split remains Mm. We need to really get into the. I'm sure Eden's got reams of paperwork about about the (laughs) technicality This must be a
2: little bit like when the Church of England and the Catholics split up you know trying to divvy up who does what and Reformation and all that.
3: We'll have to get Eden's uh, view on this when uh, if if a dis- difficult decision needs to be made. I mean, West Ham
4: nearly settled it last night by uh, I know, yeah, yeah, taking it away from Liverpool. Snoddy and the gang were, uh, and what would I was trying to work out what we would have done with West Ham. Do we have to go specifically to East the North Westfield North. Yeah. Shopping Centre, or are we, do we have all of London to go out in that case? As suppose it's not a problem now, but in case a London team does beat um, Liverpool at some point,
3: there's also the possibility that Espanol will take it. And then go and lose to Wolves, in which case it ends up back in the West Midlands. So now, so if it ends up in the West Midlands, uh, Liverpool to... lose theirs, I reckon, because that's the proper one. The this... sangria Stick is the true one. So if that somehow ends up back, <laughs> if that somehow ends up back in Britain, I reckon the other one gets discarded. Right. Okay.
4: I think we need a, a ruling from Garden on that sort of thing. Okay, we'll, we'll go to him. What we're basically doing
2: is giving ourselves as many options to get pissed in as many places as possible.
4: Yeah, and to avoid going to some absolute shithole if we uh, if we can. I don't know why you're angling for Wolves.
3: No, oh, I'm not. Go. I'm hoping it doesn't end up there. I'm just I'm going through worst-case scenarios. Okay. Well, Espanyol and Sevilla are both in the Europa
2: League as well, so it could end up anywhere. Scotland. Yep. Yeah, Glasgow Rangers, still in there. Are so. they still in the Europa League? They are. How? <laughs> so we'll be talking about the Borough game in just a minute, but a quick heads-up that we will get Phil's take on the game on the podcast we do with him for The Athletic. It's called The Phil Hay Show, appropriately enough, and that'll be with you early on Friday morning UK time and to get all Phil's writing without ads Pop-ups and clickbait. Have a look on The Athletic. Plenty of good stuff on there this week from Phil, including some blockbuster articles on Hernandez is coming this week. All the big names, Meslier and Wazim Boy. Which will be an absolute treat. The Wazian boy, well, that's the big one there, isn't it? The guy who's just rinsing us for money for another, what, two years or something like that? He's had a very nice life out of us. You can get all the writing video and the podcasts ad-free as part of your subscription. There's quality Premier League coverage on there. Boxing as well, if you caught that over the weekend. And sport from around the world. You can get a free trial and 50% off your subscription by going to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Burrow then. <laughs> Johnny Woodgate said the table was lying and then he had a good run of form and the table was no longer lying now they've had a shit run of form after he got manager of the month and now is the table lying again? Gentlemen. I think
4: he'd have to conclude it is lying again now wouldn't he? I mean what level of lying do we go to? I've just looked at the stats for them losing to Alex Mowat's Barnsley on Saturday Middlesbrough had five shots none on target but you know, that's okay, five shots. Barnsley had 18, Four on top. Tar- Barnsley basically fully leads them, and you can't be leads by Barnsley. What was the score, That Was it 1-0? It nil? was 1-0, yeah. so it's a full 18 shots on target, 1-0, Leeds United hammering. That's awful.
2: I mean, they will do the classic levelling up their game for us, but you do get the sense that there's going to be a real anxiety at the Riverside tomorrow, because they're not going to want to lose, but
4: it feels like there's an air of doom about that place. They didn't have a shot on target against Luton, either. When I mean, did they last actually have a shot on target? I suppose they, played, they scored two against Wigan, but
3: they are the bottom two clubs in the division, aren't they? As well that they've failed to get a shot yep. on target against. Yeah. So <laughs> don't so laugh because this. Eight, could, well, their first shot on target in three games is going in the net, isn't it? Let's face it.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, if Kiko's hand is broken and we have Meslier in there, they're not going to get one past uh, Spider Boy. Woodgate has done his um, his pre-match press conference this morning. A time of speaking. It is Tuesday, uh, still Tuesday morning, so this is this is hot off the presses. And he's asked if it was a good time to have a, a big game. And this fucking idiot has said, They'd say, Well, look at it. Uh, I can't do it. Uh, exactly. No, persist with it anyway. <laughs> we're, we're a big game to play against the vibrant leads you need. It wasn't your dad from Stockport? His... Stockton. Stockton, that's what I meant. Stockton. School. Yeah, my mum's from Durham. People may not think we can beat them, but I think we can. Leeds are an exceptional team, but I believe we can beat them. We beat West Brom, beat Preston, we drew at Fulham, drew at Bristol City. We have been disappointed with results recently. Performances haven't been good enough, but we're looking forward to Leeds. It's a great game to bounce back in. Has he got a cold or something at the minute? (laughs)
3: I think think his accent's a bit muddled from his time in Madrid or something. And this is good as well.
4: Uh, What was the score at Elland Road? I've just realised I didn't listen to a word you said then. I just heard the the accent. What was the score at Elland Road? Four. Uh, nil to us. It was a really disappointing game. We'll put on a better show on than we did at Elland Road. No, you won't. It's going to be six. Six nil.
2: I mean, there lies a perfect opportunity for uh, the universe to bite us on the arse, but it just doesn't feel like it. I mean, as, when it comes to fixtures, if you had to pick an away game right now at this time of the season with us where we are and the other team where they are, this is it, isn't it? You couldn't ask for a more favourable
4: game. I just don't get how they're so shit, though. Like, who scored.com says their weaknesses are finishing scoring chances. They've got Ashley Fletcher, British Summer Belonga up front. They're not bad players at this level. Certainly at the bottom of the championship, you'd think they would be finishing scoring chances.
2: Maybe maybe Woodgate is just the anti-Bielsa in that he's gone in there and taken a good set of players and made them a lot worse rather than taking a mediocre set of players and making them... Promotion winners. You're telling me.
4: You're telling me. Johnny Housen is not a right-sided centre half. Yeah.
3: <laughs> the stuff on WhoScored. com with trying to make sense of their formations is quite telling as well. Because normally you look on and it, the first one it shows you is kind of the most likely, most used lineup and formation. And Woodgate seems to have changed his endlessly this season. Mm. How many are on there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He played nine different formations this three, season. 3 5 1 1 is quite fruity, isn't it? Mm. That's, I think him and, uh, him and
4: Robbie Keane must have. No, David O'Leary did it once in training. So they've, done, they've gone. between Was that a,
2: Robbie
3: Keane or Jonathan Woodgate?
4: <laughs> well, they've gone between a 3 5 2 and a 4 3 3 quite a lot. I mean, he just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, does he? No. It was really telling when uh, some of the comments from Borough fans that found on Twitter were, they basically put their good games down to when they were basically down to 11 fit players, so he only had one option. But then as soon as he had, like, the opportunity to think about what he was doing, rubbish, manager of the month, fuck's sake.
2: So predict this one then. How does this one go? Are you sticking with your six?
3: Yeah, 6 nil leads, Michael? Let's just win one nil. That's fine. I really don't care anymore about, about big wins. I'm happy to grind this out. I mean, I've,
4: I don't I want to point out I've got no particular axe to grind against Jonathan Woodgate apart from the obvious, the fact that he helped ruin everything good about one of the most promising teams um, of a generation. So it's not a grudge against him that makes me... Want us to beat them six. I just see the opportunity and I want it to happen. I'm fed up of us just one nilling teams. I want a big one and I want it to happen.
2: It was a bit here. like this, that, that sort of feeling heading into the game at Allen Road, wasn't
4: it, really? It, it mm-hmm. was kind of a we need a big win and that's what we got. There was no and better, better these, opportunity. These clowns out. are not going to stop us. You don't think? No, they didn't stop us then. They won't stop us now.
2: Michael, what are you vibing
4: for this? We should win, shouldn't we?
2: Will we, will we I'm though? saying
4: it quietly on purpose.
2: <laughs> yes. Good. Okay. I think we're so. We're going for three wins.
4: Yes, I mean, if we can get nine points out of it, then brilliant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. The if we table's were. laying. I don't know. Leeds got nine points. We'll see if we're right on Wednesday when we do the uh, do the match ball, and then we've got the whole game as well coming up at the weekend. Lunchtime kick off on Saturday. Table could be potentially looking quite pretty.
3: A team who are miraculously in worse form than Middlesbrough. They've got. I think Borough have got four points from their last eight games. Hull have got two. Hull have gone, Hull have gone full. Went full baits in the transfer window and didn't sell just one of their good players. Well, they had two that were both quite good and Mm. they just said, ah, yeah, we can do without any good players. And predictably, it's made them terrible. Malik Wilkes has scored three, though, already, which is pretty good. Strange, isn't it, that he went from us to Barnsley to Hull? What's going on there?
4: Grant McCann loves him. Ah, He's his manager at Donny and he's uh, taken him straight to I think... um, it's one of those things if you need people you can rely on. And... He's
3: very much Ramon Nunes to Snoggrass, isn't he? They got rid of Bowen and went, but we've got Malik Wilkes.
4: <laughs> Don't say that. Who
3: will <laughs> score against us now. But, you know, everyone said he was going to score against us earlier this season and, and he didn't, did he? So, Nah, he's a decent player, but... It does feel like they've given up on football
2: to a certain extent, Hull, by selling their best players. But that does remind you, exactly as you said, Michael, of what it felt like under Bates at Ellen Road. You're trying to kid yourself that they had a plan, but really it was just to
3: just to stop pissing money away, wasn't it? When you look at all the stats for it, like the top <laughs> goalscorers for Hull, there's basically Bowen had 16, Grzycki had 6, and then Eves has got 5. So that's all of their top scorers yep. gone. You look at the assists, Bowen with 7, Grzycki with 5, the next one down has 3. They've stripped out anything that was good in that team, which was only two players. So now let's just go and beat them.
4: Yeah, I mean, their uh, Tiger Hands nonsense has to stop. <laughs> it must be stopped. <laughs> and uh, no better way of stopping it than, apparently it's, this game is a sellout. And I mean, if I was a Hull fan, I'd, I wouldn't go. Because they're going to get whacked. You know we're whacked by Leeds, if you're a whole fan. If I was a Leeds fan, I'd be all over it, if I was a Leeds fan.
2: I get the, um, the reluctance to <laughs> I get the reluctance to make predictions and put next on the line because it, it always feels like it's got the potential to come back and bite us on the arse, doesn't it, at the
3: minute. but We should win both of these. Yeah, we should. and We, we will. We will, will we? Yeah, six points. If we points. don't win them, it is drop points. Anything less than four points would be a disaster because they're both shit. Agreed,
4: but we're going to get six points, at least. And a, gr- a big boost to our goal difference too.
2: So he's the guy who made Marching on Together happen. He came up with the sock tags and the famous wave to the crowd, talking about Paul Trevelyan. And we are talking to him, bringing you the conversation we had with him on this week's Extra Ball podcast. Uh, So if you want to hear more podcasting from us and get behind us in the process, then the Extra Ball might just be right up your street. Uh, Each week we take a deep dive on a different subject. And uh, this week it's our conversation with Paul Trevelyan, which was just fantastic. If you don't know who he is, At some point, you will have seen his illustrations in your life, wouldn't you? He's done so many really, really good ones, like You Are the Ref Mm -hmm. is the very, very famous one. He's drawn so many famous
4: people. And if you've ever looked at a photograph of our 1991-92 title-winning team celebrating on the pitch after the game against Norwich and wondered why there's a panda there, he is not in the panda suit, but uh, DJ Bear, the panda of peace. Uh, I think the international panda of peace was um, Paul Trevelyan's contribution to... uh, to international peace.
2: Yeah, I mean, to call him an illustrator just does him a massive disservice. Such a rich life as well. He did stand-up comedy, golf. Invented a putter. Yeah. He was
4: the uh, the world kissing champion as well.
2: Yeah, uh, mixed with prime ministers, World Cup superstars alike. He's an
4: absolute maverick. He was the world's worst singer. He marketed himself as the world's worst singer for a while as well. Put out the worst record in the world. so he claimed
2: he's just a wonderful he's what you would describe a raconteur he's just such a great storyteller and we went to his house in Bedfordshire and had a sit in his studio as well and just it it got dark around us we chatted to him for so long it was such a wide ranging
4: conversation we we just then clarify that's because we just couldn't find a break to turn a light on that's why it got it got dark yeah I mean the first question you know know, we do you do an interview technique
2: called the soft open which is where you give somebody an easy question to start them off then you go for the sort of meaty stuff. Second question was it an hour and fifteen minutes that opener. <laughs> it was brilliant. It just—I'm
3: yeah. not sure there was any leads in that, but either we, we yeah. might—we're not entirely sure how we're putting this out yet. There might yet be, be a an uncut version if you have four hours to spend it's all interesting stuff I have to say um, but we'll, we'll try and make a Leeds only version as well
2: so he tells us about his life and his involvement with Don Revie and Leeds United and on top of that we normally play a round of our quiz called The Quiz aka Jamie McMastermind aka Quizzy Brown and there is also a second show that we do as well of part of The Extra Ball and you can join us on our journey of playing Championship Manager 0102 to right the wrongs of the Ridsdale era and every week there is a, a prize mug to be won apart from this week well, there because there's going to be no uh, no input onto the show because it's all going to be pure Travillian. Sign up and enjoy your first month free at thesquareball.net forward slash the extra ball. Right, the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Then, as we pick our heroes and villains from the past seven days. Who's the person who's made us sad this last week? Any updates from uh, from Ken, either the Monaco-based one, the one in Casper, Wyoming, the councilman, or anyone else for that matter?
3: Well, Councilman Ken, I've, I'm keeping a track of his Facebook page because I'm thinking of billing him for for all the work we've done for him, boosting his profile. David Haig would have paid through the nose for the kind of... Uh followers he's he's gained and the interaction levels is he's getting as well because that's the thing with the what you when you're looking at the the metrics of these things you know it's how many it's not just how many followers you've got it's when you post how many mm. people interact with you all that sort of stuff and Councilman Ken, is absolutely flooded with messages. Anytime he puts anything on now, he's getting 40 or 50 replies, all of which are entirely relevant for the, uh, mm. the people of Casper, Wyoming. Uh, so he's still going Should strong. They feel very represented right now, don't they? Up to uh, 664. Do you think bites?
4: at some point there's going to be questions asked in the uh, the council chambers as to why this councilman is, is wasting so much time on matters in... City on the other side of the uh, the big pond.
2: Imagine that if he got like booted off the council or whatever because he's just doing nothing for, for the residents of Casper Wyoming because having to field all this stuff on Facebook all the time.
3: I had a notification pop up the other day as well saying I'm one of his. These- best fans or something top like fan, that. Top fan, yeah, top fan. Yeah, top, I mean, one, of his, one of his top fans on there, so mm. that's that's good. No real news for him, but I was... Pat Nevin, because I just do a little news search for for Ken Bates to see if he's been, if he's been up to anything, and he hasn't really, but because there's been a bit of a... this sort of winter break thing going on in the Premier League, Pat Nevin... Uh, was discussing the time when Ken Bates sent them on a winter break for Chelsea, and he sent them off on a four day trip to Baghdad, <laughs> where they got to meet. Uh, the, well, they actually they drew one all, but the, the media reported that the Iraqi national team had beaten them two one, and only showed the only showed the Iraqi goal and just reported that as being the winner. Um, and then they got to meet Saddam Hussein and his brother as well. So you have to assume that Ken Bates himself was also copes with Saddam Hussein over this trip. Like, a, yeah, pop, pop round.
4: There's a great quote from Pat Nevin in a, an earlier time. He's talked about this where he says, um, uh, "We went to the game, but the VIP guest hadn't turned up. The entire crowd, thirty thousand people, all the players, all the teams, the referees waited for the VIP guest for an hour. If it had been Nelson Mandela, I would have been delighted, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was Saddam Hussein." Well,
3: the Pat Nevin being the the kind of alternative fella he is he was saying he had a very different outlook and he was very excited at the thought of going there and being let loose in a, in a completely different culture and stuff so Ken Bates Rich Pat Nevin if nothing else uh,
2: Ben Cates as well this was a suggestion by at mushy underscore peas on Twitter who said the Ken Bates villainy award needs beefing up a bit I feel I suggest sup- uh, applying a spoon angle to this Ben Cates is worth a look he's appropriately
3: a top Canadian litigation lawyer and is a beardy. can confirm I mean, do we want to start fucking with the career of a top litigation lawyer? That's that's I what mean, I would say.
2: Excuse me, LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. It's a symbiotic relationship, that isn't it? Get involved with a fight with a lawyer.
3: Well, let's see how that goes.
2: <laughs> well, when the well runs dry on Ken Bates in Casper, Wyoming, we'll um we'll have a look at Ben Cates and see what trouble we can get ourselves into.
4: Maybe when he's trying to uh, to sue to get his place back on the, the council chamber we can point him towards Ben Cates and Ben Cates can take the case on. Good ben stuff. Cates supporting Ken Bates. <laughs> Imagine the confusion in the court
2: as well with the judge. Love it. Right, who else are we legitimately nominating this time? Uh, Mark
4: Bowen. It's a football match. Don't get annoyed when your team is told to play football. You're whinging git. Yeah. Fair, fair. And also for, yeah. for still not being Paul Bowden. It still upsets me that i got them mixed up. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. And then he has the temerity to... 10 minute, Swan about the place.
2: Ten minute rant on a previous podcast earlier in the season about the wrong man.
4: Excellent. Well, so I'm thanks. still holding that grudge.
3: Uh, who else? Pat Bamford. Yep. Still hasn't scored, has he? Still hasn't scored. And, and wasn't even trying to score on Saturday
4: from what well, I could see. I mean, if you're looking for a lack of effort, I think uh Jean-Kevin Augustin yeah. was uh, guilty, Your Honor. Him too, ab- yep. Absolutely scandalous performance. <laughs> didn't didn't get near the ball once. Still not scored, has he? Nope. Still looking like a waste of money, now. <laughs> because Three weeks and that's it. If you haven't scored a hat-trick in that time, get out. I genuinely want to see what
2: he's made of. I really do now. I'm excited to see what he's made of, if he can
4: get into a usable condition. The more I watch... Pat Bamford the more excited I get about John Kevin he was quite bad on Saturday old Pat wasn't he but um, as we said on the match ball well we did, we did have one uh, person
2: rage tweeting us saying you need to lay off Bamford he, he had he put in a good performance on Saturday no nah, he
3: didn't no. he's been good it, there have been games where he's not scored and he has played well and he's done some good things in addition to missing chances I thought it was one of his worst games on Saturday yeah that. Um,
4: we won't dwell on it but when he tried to pass back to Jackie Harrison and just boot the ball out of play and then there was one down the the wing where you're looking for him to tap it into um, somebody's path and he just he, I think he hit it too hard for Helder Costa and there's another one where there's a ball through and Helder Costa is going to control it and he just headed it over him into the keeper's hands there's just lots of little bits like that where it just wasn't quite happening for him I'm sure against Middlesbrough going back to his former club maybe that's the game where he's going to get his, his scoring boots back on he'll, he'll score,
2: the, uh, score a brace in the in the 6-0 win that you've predicted cup his ears to the away and then endear himself to all the folks of uh, real
4: Yorkshire but, you know, he has bad games. He has good games. Saturday wasn't a good game. Um,
3: get big Kev on. He's going to get two games this week, isn't he? Let's face it. He will start. Yeah, of course.
2: I'd like to nominate coronavirus. Don't need a global pandemic when things are, you know, when we're in touching distance of promotion. Because if if the world is going to end due to a pandemic, it will be probably about May the 3rd, 4th, I reckon, just as soon as we've clinched promotion.
3: Though if they had to finish the season early, could we claim a promotion? Is it the best that we we don't get to see the collapse this year. The civilization just ends. Yeah, but if they, this is the thing.
2: They're the warders, the promotion, but we won't be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor because
3: we'll be dying in
4: hospital. Is this a toss-up that you'd you'd rather see the collapse of civilization than the collapse of our promotion bid? <laughs>
3: <laughs> the one and the same thing. I think I don't care about civilization if we don't go this year. I mean, to be fair, if we do blow
2: this one from here, the nihilism that's going to surround it is going to be awful, and I think we should probably all go away and get a new hobby if, the, if we do blow
4: this. Well, one. The, the hockey rink's open now, isn't it?
2: That's true. Although I don't, want, I don't want to be within sight of Ellen Road ever again if we blow this one. Just leave it. Go
4: somewhere else. Is that it then for your candidates for Villainy? Yeah, I think so. I just want to give it to Mark Bowen. Okay. Well, I want to give it to Paul Bowden, but Mark Bowen appears to be the man, so... Being, for being a sore loser. Everybody else, I mean, lots of teams come to Ellen Road and are like, we'll, we'll time waste, we'll try and get set pieces, we'll try and... That like, keeper looks dodgy, so we'll see what we can do. But they're ashamed of it. They don't come out after the game and say, our plan here, we have one of the best footballers in the division, in John Swift, so we're going to not use him and we're just going to try and pump balls into the penalty area and the referee would not allow us, um, and it's an outrage. But have a little bit of... It's only a few weeks since Marcelo Bielsa talked about that style of football and said it is a, it is valid for other people, but I will never, my teams will never... Play like that, and then you got Mark Bowen saying, "Oh yeah, I remember him uh, when I was assistant to Mark Hughes against Wales. Yeah, we played Argentina, drew with them." And he said something weird in the build-up to it, like, "It's nice to see that Bielsa has carried that on, the coaching thing." So he's carried that on coaching, as if he might have just after drawing with Wales, have gone
2: taking up gardening.
4: Yeah, I don't don't think I don't think I fancy this. Go down, I can't, I'm not going to get another job.
2: Well, yeah, you've made a strong case for it there. Are you happy to go along with that, Michael? Yeah been a fairly decent week, hasn't it, so It does really. Yeah, yeah I don't...
4: mean, if the candidates are Mark Bowen or Saddam Hussein, I feel like I'm on safe ground here.
2: Absolutely right, then. Let's do the Andy Hughes Hero Award to people who've done good things across the last seven days. First one up, then, the Leeds United Supporters Club of Scandinavia.
3: Ken Bates slagged them off once, didn't he? <laughs> Just once? Well, probably, yeah. Well,
2: I mean, they're in good company then, aren't they? Because, you know, if you haven't been slagged <laughs> off by Bates, then um, you're probably on the wrong side of history. <laughs> this
4: was for a, a specifically outrageous reason, though, wasn't it? It was the fact that they wouldn't buy the Norwegian fans wouldn't buy £50 memberships. The only benefit to them would be uh, first choice for tickets that they didn't need because they all live in Scandinavia.
3: And the fact that the ground wasn't even selling out at that point, so tickets always went to general sale anyway because we were shit and Ken Bates was in charge and there were only ever 25,000 people in there on a good day. And
4: you've got to bear in mind how many of the crazy bastards up there do buy memberships in Leeds United and season tickets and stuff because they're just they have this crazed devotion to Leeds United. It's
2: almost like there's a correlation, though, between the team being good and people having a bit more interest in it. So if you make a good team...
4: Not with the Scandinavian
2: lot. Well, no, they've they've always been dead loyal, but I mean, like in terms of being willing to fork out 50 quid, it's almost like if you have a good relationship with the club and they're worth
4: watching and you feel attached Mm. to them rather than being told you're not worthy. It's almost absolutely 100% typical of what we went through with Ken Bates. We said, well, they're not giving us enough money. Some money, yes. Not enough money.
2: Anyway, what have they done this week that's good?
3: Uh, they've given a £5,000 donation to the League United. Academy. Not enough. <laughs> yes, but let's let's just be grateful. The so. academy has a budget. And
4: now we have to recalculate the budget. And the money I have to spend on uh, You're better at doing the budget. The money, the money I have to spend on accountants. Money.
3: Sean said to go into the bank with it. And of course, it's very inconvenient. At the time, we were speaking to investors. And instead, he's going to go down net west. What is the exchange
4: rate anyway from from Sweden to or Norwegian money to
3: krona? pounds Norwegian krona. krona I think it I buys it about krona, it buys krona, about eight pints it. in Norway I
4: think. Would it, it'd be like the Mac Gradle thing where it ends up we, we had to send a check to them
2: uh, just to clarify this it is the uh, Legion United Sports Club of Scandinavia centenary gift to the club on behalf of their 5,000 plus members a the, pound each <laughs> rubbish <laughs> I know, I know you should have covered your own arse there by going into Bates. No, it's a great gesture as That's well. That's what I meant. Just, well, just to hand over a bunch of cash. Yeah, uh, <laughs> crazy. Yeah.
4: This is what I mean. I, I love all our uh, Scandinavian sports because there's just no right or reason why um, there should be 5,000 people in. there. Uh, they are mainly in Norway, I understand, just giving Leeds United money.
2: <laughs> well, we should give a mention to one of them in particular as well. Uh, Terje Hansen. He's one of the very first members of the Scandinavian Sports Club, has now attended over 600 matches. Following Leeds United and this weekend just gone, he got his five hundredth match at Ellen Road, which is just sensational. But this is the amazing bit. He's attended two hundred and fifty-two out of the last two hundred and fifty-three matches at Ellen Road. He's only missed one in eleven years, which is insane.
4: And how many of them have been good?
2: Well, that's the thing. If you if you talk that well, what's eleven years from where we are now? We're in twenty twenty, so that's two thousand and nine. So this is we're talking League
3: One. He's uh, been over for midweek midweek games where we've lost six four, five nil, and seven three and then had to get back to fucking Norway. What a hero. But he does, I mean, I've got
2: a bit of detail on this, in that he flies in predominantly to London as well uh, uh, as Manchester, because the flights to Manchester are a more recent um, thing that's come about. Flying into London, so you've got to get you know navigate the public transport in this country and the expense of all that to make Ellen Road every occasion for the last 11 years, barring one. And it's great. Um, Terje's job is he's a bus driver in Sandness, which is a town near, is it Stavanger, is that how you pronounce it in... Um... In Norway, mm-hmm.
4: wonderful! What a record! He's probably been to Ellen Road more than I have during yeah. that time. I mean, they have a football team in Sandnes. He could just go and watch them if he wanted a, an easy life. Quite a nice logo as well. The uh, the typeface on their uh, their badge is um, pretty swish. So there are, there were there are easier ways he could be uh, spending his time, but yeah, just have to salute
2: a mad, a mad devotion to uh, to Leeds United and uh, and Elland Road. Eh?
3: Those Reading fans complaining about thirty nine pounds <laughs> a ticket. It's cheap when you're Norwegian, isn't He's it? Probably now? spending about five hundred quid every yeah. every time. Here. Uh, let's also talk about
2: Rob Holmes, who is raising money for muscular dystrophy by running the London Marathon. His Leeds fan is Rob.
3: Not, not only running the London Marathon for years, he stood and sold copies of Square Ball for us in the in the cold, and then had to go in and watch. I think probably it was Neil Warnock football at that sort of time maybe maybe even creeping into Steve Evans I'm not sure but he had to sell square ball and then go in and watch that crap but as well as running the London Marathon he's selling off his 1991-92 Umbro drill top which is the very sexy things you can see you can see the players wearing when you when you look at pictures of them uh, with the trophy, um, and he's had it signed by Tony Dorrego as well. He's he's raffling this off in the same format as we did our shirt auction. So two pound buys you one entry. Um, if you look want to look him up on Twitter, he is RD Holmes eighty two, and you can see the picture of it there with with Tony Tony grinning after having signed it. Or if you want to make a donation, um, it's justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Robert dash Holmes 10 um, and he's going to pick the winner for that before the Huddersfield game should yeah.
4: point out as well that the date of the London Marathon this year is the day after our match at Derby County where promotion could could potentially be could. confirmed will. so he, he may have to go straight from whatever party evolves at uh, at or after a Pride Park to running the London Marathon
3: so bad planning so he's running the marathon anyway so give him, give him some money anyway but if you do it before the Huddersfield game you're also in with a chance of winning a nice bit of League United memorabilia who else? I was reminded by uh, Clinton Mitchell on Twitter to say that you, Moscow, needed to nominate Radrazani for not tweeting, and he's still not, I believe. That was after the Brentford game, it he was, had to uh, not tweet, and, yeah. he, and he's, he's still not done one. Liam so.
4: Cooper broke that particular Rubicon. He, that was when he was uh, uh, talking about balls. Somebody implied that the team did not have balls. He said, yes, we do have balls. And there was some emoji to imply that there was Balls, Balls definitely involved. involved. Yep, he can have a nomination. He's not winning, but yeah, he uh, he did follow my instructions.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And we need to be aware that obviously with coronavirus, um, they're isolating people in North Italy. Will there be an isolation of Andre Rattrozzani? Is he going to self-isolate?
3: Just his phone needs isolating.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who else is uh, a nomination for your hero? Pablo.
3: Yes, good feet. For showing us that uh, uh, while he is getting on in years, he isn't Charlie Adam. So we need to be thankful for that.
2: I'd like to nominate Calvin as well for having a very resilient calf muscle, we hope. We'll see tomorrow night, won't we? Uh, who else do you want to, nom- you want uh, to nominate? Jack Clark, I've,
4: I've actually inadvertently put him down as a, a hero. He should have been down for a villain because he's gone and got a nice dog and um, I can't enjoy it because he's a Spurs player. Okay, retrospective, I mean, he's not going to be taking it off. Uh, no, I don't think so. But um, there you go. Look at that for a dog. Is a good dog. His Instagram is going to be filled over with one of the fluffiest little bear-type animals you'll, you'll ever see. Has but he
3: got his own Twitter account, um, Instagram account like Duke Bamford?
4: Not yet. It's just uh, it's it's purely on uh, Jack's. You, at kn- the moment. You,
3: you
2: knew that Bamford had have a dog called Duke. That sounds about right, doesn't it? I, it
4: well, just... at least we can enjoy. It. At least Bamford's dog is a is also a cutie, and we can um, enjoy it because it is Leeds, whereas this uh, this Spurs slash QPR bastard it's so <laughs> and nice. Right,
3: so, pick, yeah, yeah, he should have been a villain. I apologise. Just pick a bloody hero. All the people of Scandinavia. Yeah, apart from the Scum fans. All the Leeds fans of Scandinavia. Let's let's narrow it down a bit. Yes, because we don't want uh, Solskjaer. Well,
4: Solskjaer, but bit of a Yeah, hit. he's, <laughs> he's yeah, doing
3: some good stuff now. I didn't in like in his early work quite so much, <laughs> no. but this latest phase of his... Quite keen on he's him. He's brilliant. Erling Haaland. Yeah, Solskjaer did relegate Cardiff as well. You've got to remember that. He's got that on his CV. Yeah,
4: so he's all right. Um, yeah, he's doing God's work. And maybe, yeah, maybe with this award we can we can encourage Alfie and Erling just do the right thing. Germany is not a good place to play football. He's struggling in that league, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> struggling full
2: stop. Yeah, so thank you to the Leeds United Supporters Club of Scandinavia, all Scandinavian Leeds fans. Yeah, we salute you. Nice work. Well, that's that for this one. We've got the match ball after the Bury game on Wednesday night. Phil Hayes show Friday morning. Another match ball after the whole game, and we'll be back next week on this one. Subs for the Extra Ball and the magazine are on the website. Links to the merch and subscriptions for the Extra Ball at thesquareball.net. Onwards, gentlemen. Onward towards promotion.
4: I mean, there's nothing to go onward to. We've done it. Jesus, it's All sorted. <laughs> right, we'll speak to you next time. The Square Ball Podcast.
2: Right at home.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga.
1: Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com